Let's go. Okay, today we have the pleasure of having Shmuel Rechman, a uh, good friend of ours, and we've done a lot of events together, a few events together. And we have a pleasure of him. Shmuel Rachman is a he's had a, his book called "The Journey of to Your Ultimate Self." He's a Harvard graduate. Um, he's gone to pretty much every college, every education, Tony Robbins, etc. And we're here to get some. We're here to get some guidance for self help. We're here to talk talk a little bit about his personal story, and we're here to welcome him. And most importantly, I want to. I was really, really wanted to understand is how much of the Harvard education versus the Torah education is has been connected to your daily life and how you know what do you use for each each one first of all welcome. So, welcome. <laughs> it's good to be here it's good to be here Gedalia. and that's the million dollar question so i guess we can kind of to answer the million dollar question of how do you you know build a life of meaning and purpose and strive to live a life of truth and pursue the truth and do something meaningful so there's a million different avenues, right? Within the Torah world, there's the world of halacha, the world of masa, the world of machshava, gemara, and within the world of self-development, there's you know the world of Tony Robbins, and then the right. world of you know going to actually like the clinical psychology world, and then there's the elite intellectual world of going to the Ivy leagues, and everyone's basically trying to figure out you know how to build a life of meaning and purpose. So. I guess I can take you back to a little bit of the beginning, which is, you know, when I was 17, 18 years old, my life kind of fell apart. And we can go a little deeper into that if you want in a couple of minutes. But uh, when my life fell apart, I was given the gift of having the midlife crisis that most people only have when they're like, you know, 50 years old, which is what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Right? What am I doing with my life? What's my purpose? Why am I here? And I didn't know if I was going to live that much longer. So I basically said, with whatever time I have left, uh, I want to figure out what it is that I'm capable of. I want to figure out what it is that everyone's capable of. I want to figure out what life is about and what, if someone tried to live life at the highest possible level, what that would be like. You had a medical condition at that time? Yeah, yeah. so I had a medical condition at that time. We can go into it in a couple of minutes, but just to kind of you know, build on the, the elite education question. So most people, they're kind of, especially in today's day and age, like we're all seeking truth. Like we all want to both understand what life is about and we want to live the greatest life possible. So when you watch a film, we all identify with the main character in the story. We identify with the hero of the story. We, we want to live that great life. And then we kind of, wake back up to the life that we have and we convince ourselves that we can't do that. And we convince ourselves that we're not the main character. We can't achieve anything great. We're just going to watch other people do things that are great. And I was a normal kid growing up. And I definitely never you know, thought of myself as someone who wanted to pursue greatness. But when I was like 18 years old, I, I started to really say, what would life be like if you can knock down those limited self paradigms of there are basically people who are naturally great and there's everyone else like you and me. And I'm just going to basically watch other people do great things. And well, what got you to get, what, what got you to even think like that? What was, uh, I guess, I guess we can go back. So basically what ended up happening. That age. Yeah. So I was, I was, now, I was running around with girls and gambling <laughs> and at that age. I wasn't even thinking about uh, how do we make money? Uh, 
<laughs> so I'll, we'll go we'll go through the medical condition then. So basically, what happened is I had like a real wake up call. So I was I was your your normal above average kid can do well in school, memorize things, spit them back in tests and things like that. And then I went to learn in Israel, and I felt this pain in my stomach one day, and I lost consciousness. And normally, people who lose consciousness they just like you know wake up, it's fine, you pass out. <clears throat> But this was different. Like I felt this extraordinary pain. Even when I lost consciousness, I felt this kind of like lucid dream type thing where I was aware that I wasn't awake and I was trying to wake back up and I couldn't. It was the craziest thing. I literally thought I was dying. And when I woke up, I thought it was a fluke accident, like just a random thing. I ate something weird. And then it happened two weeks later. And then it happened a month later. And then it started happening all the time. Went to the doctors. They didn't know what it was. And I literally thought I was dying. So I started to wake up at around, at this point, you know, I was probably just turned 18. I was in Israel, foreign country, and I was falling in love with Torah for the first time in my life. And I'm falling in love with Hashem in a real way for the first time in my life. And I didn't know how much longer I was going to live. So I started to basically build this mindset of, I'm going to become like the hero of this story and I might live for another month, another year, but let's see what it could be like if you actually went all in. Cause I don't know how much, like most people, like we've never been dead consciously. So we don't really think of death as reality. We've never watched the moments kind of tick by thinking these are our last moments. So don't take life seriously. So most people have no urgency in life. They're kind of coasting. Right. So as long as you can pay the bills, you're fine. If you can't pay the bills, you have the urgency to just be good enough to pay the bills. Most people, they don't want to become great spiritually, intellectually, existentially, psychologically, because they don't have their identity. Like, that's not who they are. No one ever saw them that way. No one ever told them they're capable of that. And when you really tap into the, the fleeting nature of time and life, you wake up and most people, they don't get that gift at a young age. So I became like hypersensitive to the infinite value of life and time. And I started to pursue literally all avenues of greatness. So it started in all areas of Torah. So this itself was an anomaly because most people, they hyper-specialize in Torah. So you're either, you know, learning the world of Hasidus or you're learning the world of Gemara in depth or you're learning Gemara Bikiyas, you're doing Dafyomi or you're just doing Halacha or maybe you What sign are you, by the way? What sign are you? Full spectrum. All uh-huh. Full spectrum, synthesized all, all areas of Torah. And it's, it's, there's nothing like it because when you only have one, you feel a part of you is lacking and you also feel like the Torah is lacking because every aspect of the full spectrum of Torah requires every other. Like if you're only thinking about Torah, but you're not acting on it, Right, you're not living it, but if you're each fulfills a specific need, yeah. Exactly. And if you're only thinking about it, but you're and you're acting on it, but you're not feeling it, and it's not real, it's like you can be in a marriage, but there's no love. You can think about and fantasize about the person you want to be in love with, but if there's no relationship and you're not with them every day, it's not real. So you went pretty heavy into all. You pretty, you pretty, you you were searching for everything. Yeah, and and then. What's really fascinating is that I found that there was really no Tony Robbins um, aspect yet really synthesized within it. And I started to really study Tony Robbins in depth 
And you start to realize that, first of all, everything that Tony Robbins is talking about is in Torah. It's just not really formulated within how people are kind of expressing Torah ideas. As in mastering your life, mastering your identity, going on the here. I mean, that's, you know, my book's right behind me. That's why I wrote my first Sefer, my first book, is to synthesize the world of Torah thought with the world of high performance, self-development, mastering your life and living a life of purpose and greatness and really loving your journey and not feeling like you have to give your life up to live a life of truth. But what ended up happening is I was like 20 years old, ready to change the world. And I had all these ideas and I had all this energy and all this passion. And I started speaking and so many people started saying like, who are you? Who are you to, you know, talk about truth and life and wisdom? Like, where did you go to school? Like, what, what degrees do you have? I start to realize that there's so many people who have this limited mindset, which is that the elite intellectual Ivy League education is equivalent to truth and wisdom. And if you don't have those credentials... That's, like, that's what they think they thought it was, right? Yeah. So I basically said, you know what? I'm young, right? I'm not looking back on what I could have done. I'm looking forward on what I can do. And I have this incredible love and thirst. Now, I also was teaching myself guitar and piano. I was exercising every day, mastering nutrition and, you know, emotional mindset. And it's not like choosing one, synthesizing everything. I say, you know what? Like, I'm going to go and I'm going to get an elite education, even though I don't believe it's worth anything. But I'm going to do it. Just to check Because there's so many people who won't even listen to you unless they can see the credential, right? So let's say out of, let's say I want to impact 100 million people. 95 million of those people might not even open their ears because they'll say, oh, that's just a rabbi. Oh, that's just an inspirational speaker. Oh, that's just a... And I say, you know what? If people are going to be shallow, don't speak above them, play on their level, right? Mm-hmm. Play on Play the game. Under It's the same thing in business. If you think you're better, you're just not going to do well because you're not going to understand how to build type of leverage and relationship that you can actually enter into the world. And the people who are aloof and think, you know, they don't understand me. You know what? If they don't understand you, it doesn't matter. If you have something worth giving, they're just not going to receive it. That's when you pursue the Harvard education, et cetera. Exactly. So then I got... I went to NYU first. I got um, my BA from NYU, got Smicha from NYU, got a master's in educational psychology from NYU, got a master's in Jewish philosophy from NYU. And I went to Harvard and got a master's, you know, with Harvard and U Chicago. I spent a year at Harvard as an Ivy League scholar and I got a master's in U Chicago, spent time in U Chicago's PhD program, got certified as a coach from Tony Robbins. And then like a couple things happened. Number one is that now you have the ability to speak to anyone, right? So I speak in the right-wing world. I speak in the YUOU world. I speak in the Kiev world. I speak in the intellectual elite Harvard, um, kind of like that world. But what's fascinating is I learned nothing from really any of the degree. Like literally 99.9% of what I do, what I speak about, what I write about, what I teach, uh, came from self-education, right? Today's day and age, you can find the best of the best of the best in everything. You know, every area of Torah, every area of life. And like the, uh, I mean, this really gets to what's going on in the world right now, especially in terms of Israel. The the elite educational system is just a postmodern system. So they basically don't believe in anything. They don't believe in truth. They don't believe in it's meaning. It's, 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 yeah. it's fundamentally about like, and it's this self they basically put themselves up on a pedestal that they have the absolute wisdom of life, which is that they've surpassed the wisdom of old. 
and that everything that's the fun- and by the way there's truth like if you want to talk about like the fundamentals of liberalism and conservatism conservatism is fundamentally protecting that which was right so we want to protect tradition religion the basic structure of relationships and liberalism questions everything like what if we can take things what about technology what about ideas what about taking things to the next level improving uh you know male female relationships improving uh, social constructs of equality and things like that but when it goes too far what ends up happening is that liberalism rejects everything from the past and conservatism rejects everything from the mm. future right so you reject technology you, re- you reject um science you reject um philosophical ideas that don't fit into the narrative that you've learned and the essence of torah is both right you have torah shavuksav which is infinite and unchanging and you have torah shavuksav which is this open never-ending dialogue on opening up the infinite depth of that foundation and the whole educational system right now is one that rejects everything from the past right so religion is obsolete tradition is obsolete marriage is obsolete all truth is obsolete. humility is obsolete humility because they have ownership over the truth now and the, the their truth is that there is no truth and they're not willing to consider truth so it's a breakdown of all very ideas. scary very scary is that, so you went to Harvard. I think the only advantages of even is if you have, I mean, it's very hard to get into these schools. So the fact that you, you I guess maybe people are successful that sometimes they go there is because at least they work hard to get to. So if you're working mm-hmm. hard to get there, so you're a goal setting person, you're going to hit goals. You're eventually going to hit goals in business too. So I think that would be the only advantage I would say. It's not the actual destination, but the fact that you're very, you desire more in life. That usually will end up somewhere else in life, you know? How was the Tony Robbins? How was the Tony Robbins uh, experience for you? So so I think it's actually, so just to kind of finish up on the Harvard, so I think the two things that are advantageous of that world is number one, like the networking, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go to Harvard Business School, like I went to spend some time in UChicago booth, which is actually, UChicago is the earned Harvard, as in Harvard has the brand name, Got it. Um, Chicago is the kind of like not like the original Ivy League, but it's kind of earned their way into being better than them. Um, but the people you meet are the people that are going to change the world. So building those relationships, like people go to Harvard Business School not for the education, but for the people, because each of those relationships are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, and also, it's it's really true. Like there's there's very little that's fundamentally better about the elite uh, Ivy League education. It's just a marker of self-selection. So it's the people who work harder and are the cream of the crop who can change the world. Like they get selected to be there, which gives, it's like everyone wants to be kind of branded as we are the best. So it's like, you can go on the internet and learn everything. You don't need, to go, to, you don't need to go to school, right? It's a little different in Torah because that's the idea of having a rabbi. You need to have people to guide you in the frameworks and how to kind of guide you along the journey, which is hard because nowadays, you know, it used to be that Rebbe had five Talmudim, 10 Talmudim, so he can, you know, hands-on, you know, crap. Now if a Rebbe has 150 Talmudim, he's not, he doesn't have the time to really personalize. That's the idea of coaching. You can learn everything. It's true. I, myself, when I went, when I picked up Russell's teachings, I never went to Yeshiva, I never went to any of that. And I picked up Rav Nachman's teachings and, and I was just a sponge. Yeah. And I went all in and, and that's, 
You just need to be motivated. You need to be motivated. You have to have the discipline. So what school does is it basically gives you deadlines and it gives you a framework and it gives you requirements. So if you're not ambitious and self-motivated, if you're self-motivated and disciplined, like look at the Mark Zuckerbergs, the, you know, I mean, Tony Robbins, we can talk about Tony, Mark Zuckerberg, Tony Robbins, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, like these people, it's not like you become a billionaire despite becoming brilliant. It's you become brilliant despite your, like Mark Twain's famous line was, don't let your educate, don't let your school get in the way of your education. Mm. Right? It's an unfortunate line, but it's true. It's like I talked to all these brilliant world changers, these movers and shakers, and they said, like, I went to school A, B, and C, I went to Shiva A, B, and C. And then I started falling in love with self-development outside of school. Then I started falling in love with high performance and mastering my mindset and my life outside and school. Outside school. It's like, what's going on? And it's because the school system is designed. I mean, originally it was designed to basically create the workforce. It's basically created to create workers who are going to work in factories. And the ideal worker is someone who's not creative, who's not ambitious, who's disciplined and listens to rules, is basically going to give over their life to achieve what you want them to achieve. And that's the worst recipe for building an entrepreneur and someone who's going to actually build their life. So school doesn't teach you how to become great, teach you how to basically fit into someone else's world, which is crazy. So the Tony Robbins world is the world of people trying to break out of that and trying to really take ownership over their life. The problem with the Tony Robbins world is twofold. Number one, if you like, I spent years studying Tony Robbins, just like Amara, you know, like breaking. I also, I also study him. I also study him. And there's so much truth there, which is why like, there's the idea of a checker right during client, right? So if something's just like absolute checker, like no one's going to tap into it, no one's going to care. But there's so much truth to what he's doing. I would say the two fundamental problems are number one, he's not a philosopher. So he's a collector. He has a brilliant emotional intelligence, incredible passion and complete control on stage, but he's not brilliant. So he's not, a, he's not a philosopher. So if you break down all of his ideas, there's infinite contradictions because mm-hmm. he's just collecting what's worked and what he likes. He's not originating a system. So he'll basically, that's, you know, kind of why he takes on Chloe Madonna's and like these other people who are more legitimate in the world of clinical psychology because he's he's a collector. He's like just a standard guy who went. He knows how to present it well. Yes, exactly. And he also has absolute confidence and certainty. So there's no doubt in his mind that what he has is the best. So anyone who's you know ninety nine point nine percent of the people that he's helping, they struggle with confidence. They struggle with their identity. They struggle with their purpose. They struggle with being certain and getting up and knowing who they are and what they're doing with their life. If you see someone who has a hundred out of a hundred on all of those scales, you're just gonna think he has it figured out. So people don't actually question his system as much as basically say thank you so much for having a system. It's like it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, I, the, the, yeah, there is. I mean, the, the fact that you, you, your state determines your reality. It's. I mean, that's a very Torah Torah concept. You know, you state is everything. Simcha through simcha, you will go out. I mean, it's that I can. The fact is, my attitude changed. And he, t- he took a lot of stuff from Viktor Frankl, local therapy, mm-hmm. which is really again, it's it's all it's it's all about changing state. And if I can change my state, my reality changes. And this is all Hasidus. This is nothing. This is Hasidus and Kabbalah 101. It's 101, correct. You can go into the root of yourself and tap into it and mold it. You get to create your reality. And you get to basically, like Salam Alakim, you get to become the god of your own universe, which is basically. Of creator, correct. Of creator. The problem is that you become the god of your own universe. And Tony Robbins, 
becomes the god of his universe. So this is the second fundamental problem is that he's a brilliant marker. And he knows that if it's a religious system, like he himself happens to be, like I wouldn't say like the most devout Christian, but he's very religious as an individual, but his entire universe brand and philosophy creates this kind of void. So he'll always say, you know, God, the universe or whatever you believe in. All right, so basically he tries to take away the, the God concept so that everyone can basically tap in. And the idealist in him is so he can help everyone, right? The marketer and the, the billionaire in him is so he can basically monetize everyone. So he has the biggest brand, the biggest global following, and the biggest, he's basically built the entire coaching, thought leader, you know, world-shifting brand concept um, from scratch. So he's, he has a billion-dollar model. But in order for that to work, you can't particularize what your philosophy is. So it's an absence of truth. So he doesn't have anything real at the center. So it ends up happening. And this is like what I talked about. It's, I mean, it's, it's, or it's not that it's not real. It's general. Like, for example, in the 12 steps meetings, they'll talk about a higher power. Um, you know, it, it's because you know, the people are very sensitive. You know, when they go through trauma, they're very sensitive to what God of their understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? So 100%. 100%. People, you know, I, I, I own treatment centers and, and, you know, I give classes and I, I can't say Hashem, you know, I say I have to be general because otherwise the people, they don't have the, the dot to understand, you know, their, their idea of God is, you know, the, 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 the reverend that, that all of a sudden did, did something wrong. So they, they have a very dysfunctional relationship with God. A hundred percent. And I really like, I've studied also his trajectory. I think he started out with a real sensitivity to, I believe in this, I'm going to help people connect to this, but I'll do it in a way that I can do on their terms. But if you watch how it ends up kind of unfolding is that because there's no real God in the center of Tony's message, Tony Robbins becomes the God of that universe. So everyone understood Tony Robbins universe, they idolize Tony Robbins. They want to be Tony Robbins. They love Tony Robbins. They literally think of him as like, their God, and it might not be in concrete terminology, but it's what ends up happening, is that Tony Robbins is not connecting them to anything higher. Right. Robbins becomes the higher. And they basically look at him as the, the absolute ideal. It's the Moshe Rabbeinu complex, which is that if you're the greatest and you don't connect people to something higher, you become the greatest and you become the pinnacle of truth and therefore people worship you. So he became like the literal modern of Odzera because everyone who lives in that world, they worship him. And it's the, what I find to be, it's fascinating because you and I and everyone in the Jewish kind of like branding thought leadership world, the only thing that can differentiate you from Tony Robbins is if you're willing to basically allow the entire purpose of what you're doing to connect people to Hashem. Yeah, that's the whole point, correct. Exactly. And that's our goal. Our whole goal is to connect people to God. That's the, you know, that's that's the whole goal. Right. Through through the tzaddikim, though, through, through Rav Nachman and through whatever, you know, what works with each other. Right? Exactly. Beautiful, beautiful concept. But I, again, for I, I would say for people in the beginning, for people that are really struggling, it's not a bad way to start. It's not a bad way to start. You know, I've had many followers that, that are very big in Kabbalah Center. You know, obviously, you know, each one has their, their own way to to get through the door. But eventually, mm -hmm. if you search for the truth, God does the rest for you. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. The only you know, for, yeah, for example, I I have you know many people that went to Tony Robbins. They keep on going back, but they have you know major masturbation issues. You know, they don't want to you know porn issues. They, they don't. There's a lot of stuff. They they don't they don't really talk about stuff that there's so much more to to the self development. You know, hundred percent. And that's by the way, that's just the biggest, being in top say, you know, what you just mentioned is the biggest problem with Tony Robbins too is that it's a business. Yeah, so he not- creates it so that you have a dependability on him. So right. I've never seen anyone graduate. Everyone always has to go back. And right. if you have to go back, it's not, it's never about, and that's the thing. It's that if you go through school, there's kind of a graduation process where you go through like first grade math, second grade math, third grade math. And you kind of, so what, what you're talking about is like, okay, there's a starting point, but let's get you closer and closer to an ideal where you're connecting to something higher and you're connecting to God, you're connecting to the truth. Whereas that's not good for business, right? If you that's pay- that's why it's very hard to monetize these things. That's a, that's it's very hard. You know, thank God, you know, you, I, I make my own money, but it's these kind of self help things. It's very hard if money gets in the way because you start losing you start losing authenticity. You can't say what you want to say. You say the wrong things. You you turn off the wrong people. You lose revenue. So that's that's exactly right. Wherever there's money. You, you, uh, unfortunately, you will lose authenticity. This is why I tried to say I have nothing to do with money. Let me just do it out of my heart. Hundred percent. I mean, it's it's the so biggest important. it's the biggest struggle that everyone in the world of Torah and impact has as well. Because if you're let's say you're the rabbi of a community, and you really want to pursue the truth, but you're not financially independent, you're actually an employee, right? You're not a leader. Because if you start saying things that some people don't like, you lose your job. So you actually, like Mayor Weinberger, there there are exceptions where people build their community, they build their school, they have complete control over the trajectory because they are actual leaders. But the modern concept, most leaders of Jewish communities are not leaders, they're followers, they're employees. So if you're an employee and your money is coming from your message, the people who are paying your bills own your message. Yeah, especially very affluent communities, we know that. Yeah. And those communities hire people to say what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. Exactly. So it's, it's, I mean, listen, the truth, no one thought the truth was easy, right? But it's, it's worth it. But if you want to live within the life complacency, you find ways of convincing yourself that exactly. you're pursuing the truth. Tell me is, a little bit, tell me a little bit about your, your daily rituals, what, what works for you? What, what, what do you do to get out of trouble? What do you, what, Tell me a little bit about your, your daily rituals. So it's interesting. I've gone through many different stages. Like there, there are basically two different high performance models. There's the person that has like the minute by minute schedule mm. where they have basically the same structure every day for 50 years straight, right? Wake up this time, do this at 7.53 and do this in the... And then there's kind of the immersive, creative, project-oriented type of personality. So I'm much more the latter. I had stages where I did the former, and it was much more building the foundation. So when I was like 17, it was building good habits, just kind of getting in the right rhythm, doing the same things every single day, um, you know, davening, learning, exercising, eating well, you know, thinking good thoughts, building that type of system of doing... And then it started to be like a lot of people are either disciplined or creative, right? Mm-hmm. If you're disciplined right. and structured, you can basically get things done. If What's your birthday, by the way? What's your birthday? September 21st. September 21st. So you're Libra. 
Yep. No, you're Virgo. You're Virgo. Mm-hmm. So Virgo is a very uh, OCD, very good perfectionist, etc. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's the biggest strength and biggest weakness. Yes. So I would say that a lot of like people... Like the L energy, the L energy. Like, what's, yeah, I need to fix this. Like, I need to do the this. Vision, right? what's, what's the purpose? How do I make everything as good as it could be? So I would say, like, when, and you know this from business, most people are either entrepreneurs and therefore they get nothing done. Or they're kind of doers, but they come up with new ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So most people, if you're if you're a visionary, you're like, okay, I can build this, I can create this, I can come up with this, but you don't have the discipline to do any of it. And if you're the disciplined person, you don't have any ideas. Like you're not doing anything meaningful to your life. You're taking other people's ideas. So most businesses have partnerships, right? One person's the visionary, the idealist, the, the CEO. The other person's kind of implementing it, doing marketing and ads and structuring the business, et cetera. Some people are more chachma, some people are more bina. Exactly. If you can synthesize those two with DAS, right? If you can figure out how to become both in your life. So when I was, until I was 17, I was complete Bina, right? No original thoughts, no ideas, no creativity. No, just very a, Virgo, which is very Virgo. Virgo, yeah. Virgo. And then I went the complete opposite, which is only creativity. So I taught myself guitar and piano. I, was, I wasn't playing other people's songs. I was just writing my own songs. I was writing my own divary tour, coming up with my own ideas, own stories. Own, and then if you can learn how to synthesize discipline with creativity, right, you can, it's like, for example, like writing a book, writing a book, oh my gosh, it's just discipline. It's discipline. But the seeds of that book is pure creativity. So to come up with the ideas and then to write it are two different skill sets. Most people can only do one. So they can't, like when I wrote it, it was torture because I was in a creative state and I had to turn that creativity into something real, which is finding the right words and editing and re-editing and re-editing. It's not the fun, exciting, creative stage. That's what, that's my problem, by the way. I, 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 I mean, I like the creativity, but when it gets to the writing about, I just, I can't, not that I can't do it. I keep on changing my mind on what, what exactly to do. It's because never it's because there's so many options. It's the infinite potential, and you have to finitize it into something limited and real. And most people, you feel like it's the death of the potential when you choose one way. And because it's the death of the potential, you choose nothing. Whereas all the people that are receiving it, they're getting nothing now. So like right. what I have to do is I had to overcome the fact that of course it's never going to be good enough. Like I had when I was dating my wife, I told her like, I have a hundred books written, which is true. I already have like well over a hundred. But I'm, it's never going to be good. You've written, you've written 100 books? Wow. So the way that my system works is an infinitely integrated. And so it's basically taking my neural network and documenting it. So I have like hundreds of thousands of files on like every aspect of everything. And then it's just turning those into books. Right. So I have a lot of these books. You know, I have, I have you know, all of the content written in the interconnected kind of seed stage. And it's bringing it into book format. But I told my wife, like, never going to be able to actually publish it because it's never going to be good enough, right? I can always learn more. I can always make it better. I can always improve the system. So I can never do it. And she's like, no, you're going to write. So the first book, I'd basically, every month of Shabbos, I would write a chapter and then we'd basically work in tandem. Like she would edit it and kind of like, you know, structure it. And then we just kind of work back and forth. We did that for a year, every month of Shabbos. Um, And also I started to realize that until I built that discipline, I had all this creativity and potential, but the impact was so limited because it's amazing to have the potential and then to make the potential better and better and better. But until you concretize it and express it, 
no one gets access to it. Right. You're going to be giving so, it to Tim Sum. You got to bring it to Tim Sum. So the Tsimsum is the revelation. Right. And without the Tsimsum, you get to say it's it's perfect. But with the Tsimsum, you get to say it's real. Right. Right. That's the hardest part. But it's the best part. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's, it's the lie That's... with the truth, right? Hashem created the world. The world is not truth, but it's a reflection of truth. It's not an illusion. It's an allusion. But without the allusion, it's nothing. Right? Without limiting the infinite, it's mm. not experienceable right as in that's not a word but you can experience it so the limiting of the infinite made it shaker but real and the truth within the shaker is that's still truth and most people can only live within one so they live within the surface or they live within the root to live within the, have the to know how to combine connection that das of Bina, exactly. it's it's yeah, it's, it's why a lot of people who learn Gemara have a struggle learning Mahshava. It's why people learn Mahshava have a hard time learning Gemara and Halacha because the two worlds are the two sides of the coin of truth. One's so deep and beautiful and one's so fragmented and practical. And most people don't see that the two are actually one. Or they and, both help each other, right? Yeah, as in, so it's a, it's a different need, you know. It's like and, and you'll and it's, uh, we could say this thing about marriage, you know, either mm-hmm. the hard worker, but he's no more, he doesn't show emotions, you know, or he's very emotional, but doesn't like, he's, you know, he's not providing, you know. It's it's always usually that that combination of marriage where one of the one is more of a high achiever, but they lack the emotional intelligence, and you know, it's it always seems to work out like that in life. Hundred percent. It's, it's the struggle of life because you have there's always polarities right infinite and finite spiritual and physical intellectual emotional male female uh, spiritual growth financial growth most people feel a need to choose one over the other by convincing themselves that the one that they choose is the right one whereas once you choose one you lost the game because you need both it's even i mean this is the the male female complex by the way which is like the transgender movement, as we talked about, like the postmodernism, it's basically rejecting all truth, right? So there's no such thing as male, there's no such thing as female. We live one life, there's no purpose of life. Just basically enjoy whatever limited time you have and choose whoever you want to be because you are no one. So just basically create the virtual reality that makes you happy and you know go with it. Whereas the depth, especially from Kabbalah, is that every single person is both male and female. As in, if you're a man, you have Zachar and Akeba within you. Right. So the classic male was, you know, ambitious, hard worker, emotionless, um, not sensitive, not vulnerable, not genuine, and go out and do things and build. And the woman was, you know, nurturing and caring and emotional and open. Whereas, you know, short term, everything's been flipped, right? Being masculine is now horrible. So now men are demasculated. And being, you know, woman is basically figuring out how to be a man, right? Go get a job, be ambitious, change the world, don't build a family, don't become a, a mother. And basically- 70%, 70% of women are calling divorces today. Yeah, because yeah. it's like the whole structure of, by the way, because the real ideal now is that if you can be a man where you're a man, but you're also embracing your femininity, which is that you're trying to be ambitious and change the world, actualize your potential and really feel like you're making a significant you know, impact on the world and, and that type of like, you know, go out, but you're also real and you're genuine, you're open, you're vulnerable and you connect with your own emotions and you're self-aware and you have real conversations with your wife and with your kids. That's a real man. 
And if you're a woman who's able to embrace every aspect of her femininity, but also able to f- ask real questions like, what's my purpose? How can I make an impact on the world? Maybe I will get an ambitious job. Maybe I will get an amazing education. Maybe I will do that. I'm not going to sacrifice my family. I'm not going to sacrifice getting married. I'm not going to sacrifice. Having the right balance. Yeah. It seems to be that's the, the toughest thing is the balance. Exactly. The balance. It's like in politics, there's no balanced party, right? You're either Republican or you're Democrat. Like the balance, the no balanced party has ever had a legitimate right. real run. Right. Because- yeah. I think the Torah, the Torah put, does put us in a situation of balance. I mean, it gives us the, the, the balance is automatic, such as charities is balancing your grief. Mm-hmm. You know, um, charities are giving you balancing, you know, having a set time for Torah is balancing your you know, your work life, you know, it's, it's the Torah is really structuring our whole lives for the best, even, even Nida, which is, is is the greatest balance for, Mm -hmm. for God forbid, where people, we start cheating on each other and, and have inappropriate relationships with other people in the relationship. All of this is the Torah is ultimately the, which is the concept of Tiferet, which is the balance of everything. And yet we look at it like, oh, it's not exciting enough. I need this. You crash, (laughs) then we go back to it. I think that's what we're really here to. We're really here to really re, rebrand Torah today, as you know, Torah is what's going to get you to a higher consciousness. And I think that's that's our mission today, as far as our youth leaders, is to re-cha- rechange the language, so people can relate to it. You know, I think that's I think that's what's missing in the world. You know, so I think I, I think it's so true. It's also it's it's the biggest struggle with current leadership because, like, I think also like. The balance, like the, the balance itself, there's two types of balance. One is, let's say you have a hundred things, so you have to do a little bit of each as opposed to choosing one over the other. The next stage of Teferis is blending and synthesizing and synergizing the pieces together. Hmm. Right? So you have a lot of people who are, let's say, you're Tamachacham, you're striving for spiritual growth, but you have no financial backing, right? You're basically broke. Then there are people who are financially successful. They're, you know, they're, they live a meaningless life. They're not pursuing anything meaningful. And then you have a very, you know, select few who do both. Right, they basically financially succeed and they pursue spiritual growth, but you have even less people that synthesize those two pieces together, right? Where the financial part of their life is not fragmented and completely disparate and disconnected from their monetization and for, from their spiritual purpose, but they're they're living a hierarchical life where there's different pieces that all kind of synthesize together. That's not, the goal. I think that's the goal. So that's where it's really hard, like building that nuance where you see all the pieces coming together and it's not easy to do. And a lot of people, what ends up happening is that they have parts of their life that they feel are not being given to them from Torah. So they seek it out elsewhere. Like Buddhism is a classic example. Right. And they mm-hmm. find that Torah is practical, it's analytical, it's philosophical, but where's the existentialism? Where's the, the, the deep inner consciousness and it's an inner awareness. And even Kabbalah Kabbalah is not, I mean, that's where Hasidus comes in. The terminology of Kabbalah is, is a puzzle, right? It's not really, um, unless you have the key to, un, to accessing the wisdom of Kabbalah, you're basically just learning terminology and basically just puzzle pieces on metaphysics. And the, the experientialism of tapping into a deeper state of consciousness and really tapping into a deeper state of self and really finding the inner calm within the chaos of life and you, you know you're uh, describing Rabbi Nachman. You're describing yeah. Rabbi, that's. But then a lot of people who I would say Rabbi Nachman has all these aspects. Hundred percent. But then people say, who are there, they they reject everything else because they're like, 
if I have to choose between one or the other, I'm choosing that. But then to see it back, like that's the next stage is to find it a way to synthesize everything back in where it's not A or B and it's not going deeper and deeper and deeper and rejecting the expression, right? Yeah. It's not like you, you look at the fruit from the tree, and the tree and you reject the tree. It's not like you look at the roots, you reject the fruit. Do you, do you think that learning so much confused you a little bit or do you think it's like, or, or you just gave you more broader perspective? I think there are stages. I think the reason a lot of people stop questioning and deepening their paradigms and their, their understanding of life is because when you pursue something more, you always risk giving up what you have. Mm -hmm. Right. Going deeper into something or going deeper into something. Yeah. I I like to actually, when I talked about this with my wife on one of our days when we're dating, it's like, if you question a really deep concept, the answer to that questioning could radically change your whole life. That's why I love Bali Chuva, right? People who understand that they don't understand, they're willing to ask everything and, and pursue anything, even if it will change their whole life. Right? If you ask like a practical question on a practical topic, the answer won't change your life. The deeper you go, it's like the way I think of it is like if wisdom's a tree. So bittle, 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 the more you change. The more you go into bittle, surrender, the more you can, you can change. Exactly. But it's also vulnerable and scary, right? If you, let's say, I like to think of it as a tree, like uh, the Torah first was Eitz Chaim. So if you change a leaf on a tree, you change the leaf. If you change a branch, you change all the leaves on that branch. If you change a big branch, you change also all the small branches and all the twigs and all the leaves connected to that. If you change a giant branch, you change. And if you go back to the trunk and you change the trunk, you change the whole tree. So if you ask, like, if you change the way you perceive your entire life, if you change the way you perceive Hashem, if you change the way you perceive the whole world, you might have to change your entire life. And most people don't want to give up everything for the sake of the truth because it's uncomfortable and they don't view their lives as the adventure of trying to pursue. I, the truth. I, I think people, people, there's, I mean, there's, listen, for example, let's say all of a sudden you get inspired, you know, you, you there's also a concept of a symptom because if you try to go for the truth everything at one time you, you're going to crash and burn mm-hmm. there, everybody has to also be you know you, you're you're you could i'm good enough but i could always do better concept we, we don't we don't we don't always we don't want to walk around with a half a full cup it means we're always going to lack in life but we could always do better but we also want to say hey, i'm not doing nothing also you know because then you could you could fall into a very dark dark place with that that's so Rabbi Nachman's teachings, you know, there's a Rabbi Nachman's teachings for me that, and I went very heavy into his teachings because I saw the truth there and everything spoke to me. Um, and I was, in a, I was in a place of, I didn't know anything else. So, and actually it was the best thing that happened because the simplicity got me to, to, to just go all in. And the, the, the diff, definitely the, the high expectations, but the high warmth of Rabbi Nachman. It's what really, really, and I think there's nothing wrong with high expectations. There's 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 something wrong with not having warmth in your own devotions and your own. That means you know if you're not good enough, you're butchering yourself. You're critical of yourself. You're you're getting you're falling into perfectionism. That's where the the world you know everything's everything's crashing. Hundred percent. And that gets back to balance, right? Because it that's where Rav Nachman is really powerful. Is because 
most entrepreneurs are high achievers, right? They, they, the, real, the reason they're so ambitious and motivated, motivated is because they realize that they haven't achieved their goals yet and they really want to do it mostly because they'll feel good about themselves when they achieve their goals. But because they'll feel good about themselves when they achieve their goals and you'll never achieve your goals because you'll never be perfect and it will never be perfect, they end up not giving themselves any acceptance or love and they end up burning out and hating themselves. And then you have the opposite mentality of the you know, classic nine to five, not going anywhere, dead end job, where they try to basically say, I'm good the way I am. Everything's perfect the way it is. And both end up crashing and burning because if you think you're good the way you are, you miss the purpose of life. And if you're pursuing perfection, but you'll only be happy once you achieve it, you're going to burn out because you also missed the boat because you'll never attain. Like you, the, the finite can never reach the infinite. You'll never get to never. where you're going. If you can find that perfect nuanced balance of saying, I'm perfect the way I am, but I shouldn't be this way tomorrow. So I have to be better tomorrow, which means I have to pursue something greater. And the ultimate goal is to pursue perfection because that creates the highest possible and most adventurous journey towards the truth. But I'm not going to be happy or feel like I succeeded or feel like my worth, my life is worthwhile once I achieve it. But it's the very journey itself and going on that journey that will make me realize that my life is worth living and that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And therefore you live within this incredible nuanced present moment of everything behind me is perfect. The future is unknown. I'm going to strive towards it. And the purpose of my life is to go all in because there's literally nothing else to do with the life that we have, but I'm also going to be fully present and love where I am, when I am, why I am. And most people can't do that. They either live in the future which my whole life is about achieving something. Right, right. Yeah, it's 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 not only in the business world is the easiest you know analogy. It's the same thing in the Torah world, right? Mm-hmm. People are like, once I become spiritually great, once I'm connected to Hashem, once I'm a Tamil Chacham, once I know everything, once, and then a lot of people they also live in the past, right? It's like the best is behind me, or I made these mistakes and I have these regrets, and that's why you, do you do any hisbod do do you do any daily? Of course, of course. That's where I've seen the most, where I get the most calmness. Where to run to, I did enough. Because you can always do better. You can always do better. But it, it, what his boat to do does, it doesn't get you into, it doesn't make you be a rat racer. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, you're not living for the world. You're living for yourself, you know, and that it gives you that inner calmness. And But when I don't have it, you could see you, then you need validation from the world. And it's it, it's the greatest, it's a paradox. The more kavod you need, the less you're going to get it. And the more you run after, the more miserable you are. Exactly. Exactly. So it was so nice to have you, Shmuel. Any tell us about your book, Journey to the Ultimate Self. Sure. Yeah. Gotta so, buy it. I gotta, I gotta buy it. I gotta send you a copy. So it's the Journey to the Ultimate Self. Sure. It's basically it's designed to be a synergy of it's organized according to the weekly Torah portion, just to basically break up because it's basically a deep Jewish thought book. But most people get daunted by delving into, into deep ideas. So the goal is to break it down into something mm-hmm. that you can kind of go through the year. Wow. But also to synthesize the world of inspiration and the power of stories with ideas. So each chapter is framed with the story and the story helps frame the idea because you know, the storytelling is the most powerful form of expression. It's the most powerful form of, of sharing, but most stories don't uh, don't actually express the idea. So it leaves it kind of open. Like if you watch a great film, 
Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan will tell you a great film, right? Some best filmmaker of all time. But the ideas in the film are kind of left open to interpretation. And most people who want to share ideas, they're just sharing pure intellect, right? There's no emotion, there's no storytelling, there's no framing. So the idea was to synthesize inspiration, storytelling, and ideas, and to give people access to some of the most incredibly life-changing, paradigm-shifting, and and really deep ideas of Torah, but an accessible, inspiring, and not overwhelming type of manner. Sounds very exciting. And we could and we can get this on Amazon, right? Get on Amazon. We sold out, but we just got it back in stock. So you can get on Amazon. Excellent. Excellent. I'll definitely look up. It was so happy. Also, what where do you have a you have a podcast? What else? What do you everything? Everything I do is on my right. website. Shmuelreichman.com, and there's hundreds of videos and lectures, articles, uh, courses, uh, everything like that. And uh, I always tell people that are kind of like when you have a, a kind of global social media front, social media is the starting point, right? You get snippets, 60 seconds, you know, quote here, nice idea there, but you want to funnel people into deeper and deeper layers of ideas. Of yeah. Right. So the book. You know, most people won't pick up your book. They'll see in social media, they'll say, I like that person, that's great content. Then maybe they'll watch a five-minute video. Then maybe if they maybe they'll listen to a podcast. And like the more and more you have to offer, um, I always tell people who have a social media presence, like build a natural funnel of higher tiers of impact and content. So when you have a website, you get to basically have you know infinite levels of impact. So everything's on the website. Well, it's such a pleasure. Continue to do amazing work with Kali Shraw, continue to raising people. And, and it's great that you have all this knowledge and your perspective is great. And I should help you should continue in your in your pathway. Feelings mutual. I will just say this is your podcast, so your audience knows you very well. But uh, but you are you are a tremendous inspiration. And right. you blend many, many different models and pursuits, and you have such a balance, but also such a passion. By the way, that's that that is the key, is that to live calmly within the chaos, but to also have the ambition to pursue something. A lot of people, because life is so chaotic and overwhelming, they build that inner calm that has spoken it. But then they kind of lose the ability to have the pedal to the metal and to push forward and to achieve something. And most people who achieve, they can't build that inner calm. But to have that inner calm within the chaos and to build something, which is what you do so well, uh, yes. it's powerful and inspiring. So you should continue to be inspired by your own journey, your own story, all the things that you've overcome and all the lessons that you teach people. And uh, we should continue to impact clients together with many, many more collaborations. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure.